And if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about government, then you're listening to the wrong show. The Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. This is episode 227. This week, we get back in the DeLorean to 1955. We have the Candace Taylor SWAT, Michigan shenanigans, Georgia bookies, two arms in Cobb County schools, Indiana picking the wrong hill on which to die, and the windfall under the porch. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my part of this endeavor, writer, journalist, owner of the GeorgiaVirtue.com and dog mom, Jessica Salaji. Hi, Dave. Hey, big congratulations to Stanley. I know. He is a superstar in yet another forum. Yeah, he won a radio contest. I guess both the dogs won the radio contest, but Stanley accepted the award. He did. They invited him down to the Savannah, I-95, Rock of Savannah radio station for to claim his gift card. And Stella doesn't like riding in the car, so... Um, he put on his bow tie and he went and was a total ham, of course, but um, posed for pictures and all that jazz. Did he get on the radio? They didn't ask him to get on the radio. I think he was a little disappointed, but they did have a couple treats for him and that took his mind off of it pretty quickly. <laughs> Anybody could break in your house as long as they have peanut butter? Um, You know... I would like to say, yes, that's probably true, except that he and Stella are super aggressive about anyone. Well, he didn't used to be. You know, he just picks up on what she does, but she doesn't like when anyone pulls in the driveway, stops at the stop sign, honks, rides a bike, nothing. So, and he's team Stella, even though she's not team Stanley. <laughs> so You brought this dog into my life. Pretty much, yes. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Allie had a big problem with anybody who had the audacity to walk past the house. Yeah. It's totally disrespectful to who they are as dogs. How dare you? Yeah. I'm, I'm like, those children are allowed to play in the cul-de-sac. Right. Property <laughs> lines. They're, they're not big. They're not very good libertarians because they're big on... They think there are no property lines. Like, everything is just theirs, collectively. Yeah, if I pee on it, it's mine. Correct. So. Which is R. Kelly's uh, theory on life, too. Oh, Dave. <laughs> Dave. So, let's get back in the DeLorean, Doc Brown. We're going back to 1955. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Did we talk about this last week or the week before? Do you remember? I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. They they run together. Yeah, we so we did talk about um, the discovery of a warrant in the Emmett Till lynching from Mississippi back in 1955. Um, and I guess last week on Thursday, the Associated Press published an article based on an unpublished memoir that they had obtained from um, Carolyn Bryant Dunham. And she is the one who... Um, the warrant was for right, right. Yeah, she's the she was the wife of Roy of Bryant. one of the guys who was accused and uh, and uh, uh, acquitted. Right, and her husband was Roy Bryant, and then 
Roy's half-brother, um, they were the ones that stood trial. And then, of course, they were acquitted and confessed at a later time. But she's um, 87. She was 21 when all of this happened. But the claims, of course, and I'm not going to rehash the story, but the claims were that, um, you know, Emmett Till had made inappropriate advances towards her. So the manuscript that that she gave to the Associated Press is called I Am More Than a Wolf Whistle. Um, And I guess she's talked about it before in the past, but obviously it's not been released in its entirety. But um, it also had been placed in an archive at the University of North Carolina. Um, With the agreement... That it would not be released for several decades. Right. And I'm assuming until she died. And then um, they also gave it to the FBI during that investigation, which, if you recall, brought about nothing. Um, But it, it sheds a lot of light on her perspective, which I think is not going to appease... It's interesting, of course, but it's not going to appease the people who think that the warrant should still be executed. And it's not going to change the mind of the people who are like, well, the past is the past. All we can do is learn from it. Um, Of course, people don't just take things at face value and say, well, that's an interesting perspective. I appreciate that we now know it. Like, people are... They're already out. They're outraged about it, but... And I believe it was dictated to a writer in 2008, so... 14 years ago. So her, her memory would have been a little more sharp than an 87-year-old, slightly more. Well, sure. Yeah, and no. I have a feeling that, you know, she had made notes and things like, I mean, I, there's something that consumed her entire life because it's a famous case. There's foundations named after Emmett Till, you know, but... One of the quotes was, I did not wish Emmett any harm and could not stop harm from coming to him since I didn't know what was planned for him. I tried to protect him by telling Roy that he's not the one, that's not him, please take him home. Um, And, you know, then the violent assault started on Emmett Till. And he was 14, so, I mean, again, there's nothing that she can say that would make it any better i think she she's just trying to absolve herself right i don't know well it's very odd yeah, it doesn't take much of a man to, to kill a 14 year old <clears throat> um but yeah it's it's interesting that that this that the memoir comes out now look it was released to the fbi um, as part of the investigation and that's and that's that that's appropriate uh, but the the public release of that information was not supposed to happen until after her death. But the the I believe the person who who did the who did the actual writing, who put it together for, her, uh, is the one who released it, authorized its release from from the archives. Her daughter in law was it her daughter in law. Yeah. But um, also, you know, one of the things that they said, and you talked about her memory being sharp at different times and stuff, but. Because you, you brought up it being dictated 14 years ago. And so the Associated Press pointed out that I guess there's contradictions between what she told the FBI and then what was in this book, allegedly 14 years ago or so. But what's interesting about that is that the FBI investigation was about 15 years ago. So they were at the same time. Um, now, I feel like, again, there's going to be people who want to find 
I mean, I've done this in stories where you you find like the smallest thing that is a contradiction, and you because you wonder why or if it was genuine or sincere. Again, I mean, is it a, a horrible case? I don't. More information is not going to make it any better, and honestly, more action is not going to make it any better at well, this point. Well, and, and contradictions after that long. Look, it's hard. Eyewitness testimony on anything is horrible if it happened three months ago and, and you and you get to trial. When you start talking about decades passing, right? Uh, raising kids, having grandkids, talk about 60 years before before this memoir even goes into the archives. You know, from, from 1955. Uh, uh, and I realized that the, the warrants and everything else was later, but the actual crime was 1955. That's a... Sure. Even, even in, in... If you were to try to put this together in 1985, uh, to use the Back, Back to the Future thing, that's still 30 years. That's... Uh, I don't know how sharp. Well, I know your sharp memory is not that sharp. Thirty years ago, because you were, you know, a toddler, right? Um, but even you know, my memory going back thirty years is not great. And you know, that's I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you half the people I went to high school with. Well, the Justice Department has opened multiple investigations, and they've all been closed. And they closed one this past December in twenty twenty one, and you know, then this warrant was found, and. It, <sighs> You know, the warrant, they want it to be executed. I'm not sure how you could execute it based on what's already been or based on something that's been attested to or sworn by someone else if that person isn't still here. Um, I mean, and and then also at the same time, like everything that they've investigated has not produced any additional information or any additional, I guess, validity that they feel like would allow them to prosecute any additional per- persons. So I'm sure they feel like they're up against the clock. I'm sure the family feels like, you know, all the the rest of the people who are alive are up against the clock. Time is running out. They're all aging just like the rest of us. Um but the justice is not we we we're going to rehash the justice is not served by dragging her back to Mississippi. I mean, she's 87 I mean, her, years old. Her involvement is already, to the extent that there is any, it's already known. She's, I mean, she just, she, I don't know. She was the excuse. Right. So, I I don't know. I, I Yeah, that's, it's the, uh, speaking of gifts that keep on giving, we have the Candace Taylor swatting incident. Yeah, this, what was this? Um, Monday? Wednesday? Oh, I don't was, know. Was it Monday? Was that was it early? I can't. I, gosh, gosh, I don't the, know. Last week, talk, she, talk about things. Talk about things running together, right? For sure, for sure. Um, so I may, I think it was maybe Tuesday, actually. Um, it basically, what was so whatever morning it was, woke up and on Twitter, um, Candace Taylor had posted a video, a quite angry video, um. It happened Monday night, so we did find out on Tuesday. She posted a video at like 2.30 a.m. saying, you know, that her family had just been subjected to this traumatic event, um, that it was a swatting incident. People, Someone had called the police or called 911, um, and she was in the shower 
when her son came in hysterical, um, they'd been woken up from their slumber to hear all this commotion outside. And there were police with rifles and other weapons surrounding her home because somebody had called with a voice to text um, or text to voice. I'm not sure. One of those artificial intelligence voice converters where it makes your voice sound differently. And someone had reportedly reported that Candace um, had shot her husband and was going to shoot herself. Like they, the call was imitating her is what she was told by dispatch. Um, And I don't know how this, she said she recorded the whole thing. I have not seen that it's been posted as of recording time, but um, you know, I've seen, I've seen the videos, the videos of that Candace posted. No, the video. Well, yeah, the security video. Okay. Uh, but but I have not heard the the nine one one tape. Me either. Me either. Um. You know, I mean, if if I think most people know what swatting is because it's become such a unusually popular thing in the last several years. But um, it's basically See, I didn't. It's when you call nine one one, and it's a prank or it's used to harass people, whichever, but it's one or other, the other, it's both sometimes, sometimes it's because you're mentally ill. I've seen all kinds of things, but they call 911. They assert that there's an active shooter investigate or an active shooter in progress, that there, someone has been shot, that someone's being held hostage, something that would not just yield one or two officers to come out, but would have heavily armed officers. And you know, I don't know the extent of the – I know some stuff about the Appling County Sheriff's Office um, and the resources they have around there. But it's certainly not like when this type of thing happens in Cobb County or Gwinnett County or the city of Brookhaven or something like that where there's a large agency with lots of um, officers and or deputies and lot, a large arsenal. Um, it's dangerous for police and for the public because – you know, there's been homeowners who have come out wondering what, you know, they they can't see what's going on because a lot of times it's dark and they shoot and they hurt officers or they, they fight back or whatever the case may be. And then there's been times when they don't know what's going on and they don't necessarily comply with orders because they don't know what's going on and they're shot and, and or killed by law enforcement. Um, and it's all because of a third party that had made this fake call um well this comes from gamers apparently that's where it started yeah yeah apparently if you're playing call of duty and and you get into a a verbal argument see i when i grew up when i was a kid if you had a problem somebody you got to fight with them yeah you punched them yeah well gamers aren't exactly uh punching types for the most part so they thought it'd be fun to to uh, uh, have somebody playing a video game and have SWAT bust down their door. Which is not funny at all. Like, there's well, all these articles on the internet about when you're a gamer, how to protect your, your identity and so that your, your address cannot be found and this, that, and the other. I mean, it's, it's pretty messed up. Yeah, but when you're a political candidate, that's out the window. Right, but what I'm saying is that when, where it started... And the fact right. that like, like it's that much of a problem in the gaming community that there's all kinds of it's not just like one column on, you know, on this thing. It's a widespread multi-state 
across the country issue where they tell you to keep your identity private because it keeps happening no matter regardless of the fact that states have made it illegal to do this but it's usually interstate a lot or a lot of times with, with gamers is interstate right is well, you get a gamer in california Candace, you know we don't sure we don't know. So, sure. so luckily, I mean, thankfully, I don't really care what your opinions are. If you think that it's funny that this happened to her or that, you know, it, she deserved it or something. I mean, she doesn't. Nobody does. It could have been one of her children. It could have been her 14-year-old, her 16-year-old, her however young her other kids are. Like, it, her husband, they didn't do anything. They don't, you know, nobody deserves this. And it would be terrifying. Um, and she wasn't angry at her sheriff's office. She said they thought they were protecting me because they had had a female voice calling saying that they'd shot their husband five times and they were going to shoot themselves. And so they came with weapons and this, that, and the other. It's horrible. And I'm thankful that nobody got hurt. But true to Candace Taylor, the brand that is Candace Taylor, she gets on Twitter and her next comment after this video posting is that she wants the person responsible charged with attempted murder. Yes, attempted murder. Now, look, there are a lot of laws that were broken. Attempted murder is not one of them. Now, look, I, I watched the video. There were, I think, four police officers on, his, on our lawn. Now, there was a heck of a response uh, down the road because they had ambulances and mm-hmm. and first responders and, and everybody down the road ready because they thought there were there were victims uh, ready to ready to respond. But there were four. It was not SWAT. I don't I don't think they even have SWAT down there. Well, um, most sheriff's offices don't have like a SWAT team that's always on call, but they have a team of people who activate and are part of this team that are on call at different times when as part of their regular duties, like they're trained and stuff. They don't have the manpower to have a dedicated SWAT team. Or the equipment or, you know, an MRAT, MRAT or anything like that, which, which you know, I don't really want rolling down the street either. But it was a, a pretty... Mu- she got on the phone with 911. She did the right. Well, first thing she called a, a buddy, an investigator at, at the sheriff's office who, who told her correctly. Uh, called to dispatch. Call right. Yeah. Hear that, Trey Kelly? You called 911, not your buddy. Um, so 911 tells her what's happening. She says, that's absolutely not, not what's happening. They open the door, please clear the scene, and and that and, and that's it. It wasn't. It, thankfully, it was not a kick the door down and and uh, and shoot the dog and and throw the kids' faces in the, in the carpet or anything like that. It was it was handled uh, as well as can can be done in that situation. I will but, say too, though. Hold on. The reason it was handled well is because you know she's talking about this being my where I grew up in my hometown and this all happened. She's absolutely right. However, those things all happened. She was given that courtesy because they did know her, and I think. You know, like, I don't think they think in the moment, oh, can we verify if this is a prank or not? I don't think any, I hope law enforcement doesn't do that because, you know, just like stopping for hand sanitizer to check your phone background, like we've seen on the internet in the last couple of days, um, that time, time is everything. But she was, ex- I think, no matter how bad the situation that they thought they were going into was, they gave her a, an additional courtesy because they know her. No, that, that, that's quite possible. 
They also, if someone's suicidal and they say, I've shot my husband, you, you typically don't just kick the door down with somebody who's suicidal. You attempt to make contact with them. Especially when you know that there might be kids kids in the house. And she'd already, even, you know, she'd already made contact with dispatch and said, this is, you know, this is not, this is who I am, but, you know, why are you outside my house? Mm-hmm. And, you know... Luckily, they don't have a, you know, this. she didn't live in Cobb County where maybe the first response would have been to to take a battering ram to the front door and bust it down while everybody's asleep and, and do a quiet approach and, and start throwing flashbangs. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, uh, not because for any like publication reasons or, you know, gossipy reasons, I'm genuinely interested to know how it unfolded in terms of like the timeline. Like, obviously she called um, and- Time is of the essence. I mean, you would be scrambling and um, to to act and not because you, you're if you're scared to open the door or you're scared to go outside. But I would like to know, like, how much information she gave the dispatcher and how I mean, obviously, she could put her husband on the phone to say, no, I didn't shoot my husband. He's right here. He's talking. He's fine. He's just as scared as I am. But like, how did how long did all this go on before the dispatcher told her um because it was the dispatcher, not the people outside. Um, but before they told her, look, we got a call and they said it was you. I mean, because that's not usually something you're just told over the 911 call, you know? Right. So Right. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it, as this becomes more and more, I'd say popular, prevalent across the United States, Department's going to have to start thinking twice. That's scary, especially. Well, it, it also depends on the phone call you get. When you get a when you get a, a recorded voice that that calls something in, or a, you know, a text to speech and, and uh, something like that, and and this the details are sketchy and the the call ID is sketchy, that that may slow the response a little bit. You know, versus having someone on the phone live now saying, "I'm out, I'm outside, I'm outside this building, and I'm hearing gunshots." So I, I don't I don't I don't know. It's it's illegal. You can prosecute whoever you want. Most of the people I, I would think this is mostly young people that 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 do this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I, I'm no Candace Taylor fan, mm-hmm. but there's you can disagree with people in the political arena and not not go after their families. And not and not go after them at dinner and yell and shout them down and, and everything else. Uh, just like they're doing to, to, to the Supreme Court in D.C. where, you know, Kavanaugh can't even go out for a meal. Yeah. You know, they've got uh, uh, restaurant owners have have a, a, a quote unquote hit on them where if you see Kavanaugh sit down in your restaurant, you make you make a phone call or you send a text and this 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 group will come out and shut him down. It's absurd. You know, the, the, this this sort of stuff. Candace Taylor is no longer a threat. She's you know, she's under investigation with the ethics board. Uh, for not filing her her stuff, and and ethics board will do its thing. She's no, she's no, she's not a threat to anybody. She's just loud and obnoxious. Well, and there's lots of people who s- share their opinions, and you know, you don't have to listen. You didn't have to listen before. I don't understand the concept of. I mean, do you draw attention to yourself when you say the things that you do? Absolutely, I draw attention to myself by the things that I say, and I own that. Um, but nobody, nobody is deserving or of being 
a target of something like this. And what's what's what they have done, which is going to be an unintended consequence, is make her a victim of something and give her a platform to discuss this. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a, a bill in the legislature or something to come about because she's going to raise Kane about this and her her supporters are going to push for something like this to have more severe consequences as well. Maybe not attempted murder, but you know, something to the extent to hold people accountable when they can be held accountable. So what I mean, not just that, it's it's a huge waste. Think about all the resources that were parked outside her house, the ambulance, the fire truck, uh, all the other first responders that. Well, yeah, one of the officers or the deputies on duty at two o'clock in the morning or midnight, whatever it happened. I I know her 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 thing went up at two or two thirty, but I think the incident was was pretty well over by then, uh, obviously. But there, there are a lot of weird things with this uh, that it's, but they, they took 100 percent of the deputies off the road for Appling County to go respond to this. Right. But my point is, if you hate somebody, the worst thing you can do is make them a victim. True. Yeah, you, you, you make her a martyr. And people who've never heard of Candace Taylor are now looking her up. Maybe should have, she, this should have happened back in January. She would have pulled more than 3%. Um, but that's, yeah, you, you, you absolutely make a victim out of her. You, you give her content. Uh, you, you, give, you give her her supporters more fuel to go out there and say, yeah, she's doing the right thing and the establishment's out to get her and, and all that stuff. So anyway, as usual, I failed to uh, live up to the name of the show. I failed to tell you how you were wrong. Well, it's not about telling me how I'm wrong. I mean, you're telling people who did this that it's wrong because or and that support this practice because, I mean, there's zero benefit to anyone for doing this. But Right. Yeah, exactly. So we have a lawsuit to bar GOP Michigan gubernatorial candidate for the ballot over January 6th charges. This is this is a interesting one. This is off the hill. So some of the verbiage in the in the article tends to lean I don't know, wrong. Yeah. But it's a, it's an interesting concept because I mean we talked about um the challenges to Marjorie Taylor Greene's candidacy on the show and this is for Ryan Kelly, who's running for gov, he's obviously a Republican, um, and he's running for office. They want to prevent him from appearing on the ballot because he was charged in connection with the January 6th stuff. I mean, I don't agree with anyone being disqualified for charges. Right. He's charged. Now, if the voters decide that they don't want to take a chance of them being impeached because he, uh, uh, he he's found guilty. Look, he's they call it in the article insurrection, which pisses me off. It was not an insurrection. It was not an attempted coup d'etat. Uh, it just wasn't. Uh, he's he's charged with like unlawful entry, even though he never entered the the uh, the uh, the building. His charges are misdemeanors, to be clear. Right. Uh, so the uh, the the uh, lawsuit says it's clear he is a clear and present danger to democracy in Michigan. 
uh, sued asked Michigan Secretary of State Joycelyn Benson and the Board of State canvassers to declare Kelly ineligible for both the August Republican primary, which is the front runner, and the November uh, general election based on charges filed against him. So here's the my first thought that comes to mind when I see this lawsuit. You know, um, if you, regardless of what you think about January 6th, the... Um, both sides of the aisle are guilty of when they see people doing things, whether it's protesting in the streets with fire or climbing a wall at the Capitol or whatever the case may be. The The answer, the argument is always in America, we don't do that. We decide at the ballot box. We change. We make changes at the ballot boxes. And while that is true in present day, that's actually not how America was started. So, I mean, that makes you sound a little bit dumb. But if you do believe if that is your position that, you know, Going forward from 1776, we do everything in the ballot box with with decorum and dignity. This guy was angry and was a participant because he helped. Apparently, one of his the charges against him is that he helped another person pull back a metal barricade. Um, again, he that's an allegation, but it's they said it's on video. I again, I don't know, but. He's taking it to the ballot box. So he's doing what you want him, you you think he should have done in the first place, and he's not yet been convicted of a crime. So it's twofold here. One, you're totally ignoring his presumption of innocence, which we are supposed to cherish in America. And two, he's doing what everyone says is the proper pathway to have reforms. It's just he is accused of doing something that you don't like. And so you don't want him to have the opportunity to do it the way you said he should have done it. If he held the views he holds. Right. And look, uh, again, these are misdemeanor charges. I didn't even think the FBI got involved in misdemeanor charges. I guess you have to, if it's, if it's, uh, if it's in DC. Well, I think part well, I mean, of it too you have is, Capitol police. Yeah. But I think part of it too, is just that, it's an offshoot of all of the um, other investigation that they're doing, and it would be confusing if they like passed one off to the solicit, like a solicitor state court. To- that wouldn't really like it's easier to keep everything right, uh, everything together. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is uh, Kelly. Uh, their claims of insurrection are laughable is an attempt to deflect from the actual crimes and hardships that have been caused by the Whitmer crime family. He wrote referring to Democratic Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who we've all gotten to know in the last two years. Right. And he pleaded not guilty, naturally. Yes, because like you said, his argument is that he didn't enter the Capitol. His actual charges are entering or remaining in a restricted building or grounds without lawful authority, disorderly and disruptive conduct, knowingly engaging in an act of physical violence against a person or property and willfully injuring property. So four counts. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He has he has a point about um entering. I mean, if he didn't enter 
and how can they claim what happened on the outside was not lawful because they were telling them to not come inside you know i mean that's a, that's a tough that's a tough sell and then on the part about engaging in an act of physical violence against a person or property and then willfully injuring property if if he is allegedly seen removing a metal barrier that's the language that the hill the left leaning hill used i have a, i'm not sure that that's damage yeah uh, a temporary barricade and moving it is not an act of violence it's uh, also now if he got on the other side of the barrier that what it says unlawful, uh, unlawful entry to building or grounds if he got beyond the barricade to stay back i guess i guess that if he, he did tear the barrier down and get on the other side of it but unless unless he took bolt cutters to to the to the barrier or some i don't know how he damaged the property and notice they didn't get him for damage to government property he didn't damage anything because that well, that charge said, would have been there too. They said willfully injuring property. Injuring property. I I don't know how you injure property, but that, that's the that's the, I'm sure that's just how the law is written. But again, I don't care if it's DUI, rape, murder. If you've only been. Here's the thing, like when you're talking about charges, I mean, at what point do you prohibit someone from appearing on the ballot? Do you because I mean, if someone's charged, if someone qualifies for office and then is charged with murder and it's it's a total scam or a setup or they're charged with rape or to to damage their candidacy and you take them off the ballot, you've just not only eliminated and revoked their presumption of innocence, but you've. You've stifled the political process. Yeah, and now, and now look if if he if he wins the the primary, Whitmer is totally within her privilege, and honestly, if she's going to run her obligation to run commercials showing the the quote unquote insurrection to show the the protest on January sixth, and and run those commercials ad nauseum. The the problem that Whitmer knows she has is the people of Michigan are so fed up with her. And her policies and her administration that Satan himself, if he ran against him, would win. Ran against her would win. She is so unpopular right now in Michigan. And not just among conservatives. People are fed up with with Whitmer. And I think she's the one that said you can get in a you can't get into a powerboat on a Michigan lake, but you can get into a sailboat during COVID because somehow a powerboat would spread COVID, but a sailboat does not. Um, I just wanted to interject that I looked at the indictment and his Ryan Kelly's injury to property is different than the barricade. The injury to property is that he damaged a part of a tarp that was covering some scaffolding on the outside of the U.S. Capitol building, which technically would belong to a contractor. But I'm I'm not a lawyer, so. He damaged a tarp. Correct. That was on any, scaffolding any, on the Capitol. Anywhere else in the world, it would be, go, or anywhere else in the country, go buy another tarp. Go to Home Depot, spend 50 bucks, and get them a new blue tarp. I mean, we're totally conflating 
whether he should appear on the ballot with the charges that he's being right. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I get that, but it's just so like. Because it wouldn't matter, like I said, if he was charged with something more egregious or if he was charged with fraud or it would be up to the public to decide. And if the public decided and then they were convicted, then, you know, either there's laws in place to remove them or to not. And the public has to live with all of those decisions because this is not the first time something like this has happened. It's just the first time it involved Donald Trump and the U.S. Capitol and whether or not people believe an election was legitimate. And it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and they're going to beat this this horse, this poor, poor dead horse. And I, I think it's I think it's 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 losing gas. Because people just don't care at this point. It, it, people looking towards November and people just don't care what happened on January 6th. They just don't. The the people who do are already die in the wool leftists who who are already in that in that camp. So they're they're just sitting in an echo chamber, bounce, you know, yelling about this stuff to each other. the The rest of the United States doesn't care. They've moved on. Most people have accepted it was not an attempted coup. We know this. It, we most most people accepted it wasn't an insurrection, and but they keep drudging this stuff up. And this idea that you being charged with something keeps you. You're right. It, it would. It would totally empower every DA around the country to manipulate the the political process. If you've got somebody running for state rep, the DA decides or they don't like them, is just charge them with something. So you're charged with a misdemeanor. Uh, you have to take you off the ballot, wait till the primary is over, and drop the charges. Right. This is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we, we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. It's time to roll the bones. Report says that Georgia should legalize sports betting. Of course, we've talked about this several times because legislation comes up during the legislative session year after year. Good old Ron Stevens and Senator Brandon Beach and same old players who desperately want um, gambling, casinos, sports betting, horse racing, yada, yada, yada. Um, and just off the bat, want to remind everybody that I don't think it should be legalized and I don't think it should be illegal. I think it should be decriminalized and not regulated. And the only reason that our government is in favor of legalizing it and regulating it is so they can have some of it. And when they have some of it, it's worse than if it was illegal or legal. So that's my position. But um, back to the topic. Should Georgia legalize it? Well, here's the thing. When you talk about sports betting, the majority of sports betting is done online. And we're talking about betting on games. And the way these casinos make money is they don't take a cut. It's called handicapping. So there are algorithms and, you know, going, going back to, you know, the old days used to be old, old guys with, with uh, pencil and paper that would handicap these, these games. And the spreads... When you talk about spread is how many points you think a team is going to win by. 
are, are usually not based on who they think is going to win or how many points. It's based on what bets are going where. So they hedge their bets so that no matter what happens, usually the house comes out on top. Now, individual player may win, may lose. But overall, when you're taking, you know, hundreds of thousands of bets uh, worldwide or millions of bets worldwide is when you hedge them properly, you're still making you're still making a little money on it. Government doesn't do that. Government gets in and they say they want a cut of all the action, which increases the the expense to the bookie, which means those payouts get a little worse, which means that. Using an illegal bookie is more fair than if government gets involved. Well, you bring that up and I there's a there's several comparisons online about states that have it, states that allow online sports betting versus retail sports betting and in Montana, they allow both, but they set limits. They set a $250 limit on retail and a $1000 online. So just like what you said, I mean if you want to you want higher gambles or you I mean there's totally an incentive to go outside of the legitimate process. Right. And who's to say that $250, $250 for a lot of people is, is a lot of money and they shouldn't bet more than that in a week or, or on a single game or whatever. They, they should know their limits and that's on them. That's on their addiction. But you also have people like Michael Jordan who can drop a million dollars on a game. Yeah. It's not a ton for the dang guy with an addiction to gambling either. I mean, like they're not really thinking about they're thinking about what they're going to do, not the next cap. Yeah, I was play I was in a riverboat in uh, uh Missouri in St. Louis, right across the street from the Budweiser plant. And I sat down at at a table and I bought in. The witches came over and brought me brought me a beer. And because I was in St. Louis, ordered a Budweiser and I, you know, threw a, a, a chip on her tray. It's like, you can't, you can't pay with chips and that's $7. So what do you mean $7? I'm sitting here because, you know, I, I don't, I don't pay to drink when I'm gambling. Uh, that's, that's part of it. So, no, you can't pay with chips because the, because the state makes us monitor how much you're winning and losing and report to the state. So I paid for my beer, drank my beer and we left. Because I'm not, I'm not playing that game. I'm not playing that way. But yeah, they had they had a stop loss, and I can't remember what it was. I mean, this was years ago. This is long before Connie and I were married. Years and years ago, I had a friend that lived in uh, St. Louis, flew up there, and we, and we, ran, we went to the riverboat. But that's 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 how they get these things through and approved. Is we're not going to give away free alcohol because they think that somehow for, you know alcohol uh, feeds a gambling addiction. We're not we're going to put a stop loss in. And if you if you go with sports betting, if you go to a bookie, as long as you can pay the bookie, he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And bookies are going off of the Vegas lines, and they're paying based on the Vegas lines, and they they make their money off of the margins. So some weeks they win, most weeks they they win. The other house always always wins overall, uh, and but that's you know if you make the bets of football season, you make the bets over the weekend. Uh, you know, Saturday for for uh, for college, Sunday, and then Monday night, Tuesday morning, bills due. Either way, if you're a winner, the bookie pays you. If uh, if you're a loser, you pay the bookie. And a lot of that was going through PayPal and other and other things like that. Now it's going back to cash because the electronic stuff is being monitored because the government wants their fingers in it. Yeah, you know, in, in Alabama's, it, you can't even play fantasy football for money. 
Like I was trying to do a fantasy football draft for my parents' house, and they live in Lower Alabama, and I had to I had to VPN and get, and get back to Georgia to to be able to, to do my draft because Alabama doesn't allow playing fantasy football for money. I mean, I don't understand it. Like, I don't understand why someone would want to spend their money on that, but it's not my money to decide how it's spent. So, you know, whatever. Um, I don't get, especially in the in the age of the internet, I certainly, I'm not advocating for some, like, federal intervention here, but, like, the the discrepancies across all these states has got to be confusing. Oh, it is. And it's constantly changing. And then there's states where it's legal, but the state's stuff is not, it's not live in that state. It, it's just, it's, now, a, it's a mess. Online casinos are a bad idea anyway uh, for the player because you have no control. If you're sitting, in, if you're sitting at a poker table and you see cards going, you, you know, you know that there's only so much you can do with cards. With a computer, you have no idea. But you know who is you running a completely legal online uh, casino in Georgia? The damn lottery. Mm-hmm. They've got they've gotten they've got now lottery games. You you don't have to leave the house go buy a lottery ticket anymore. You can do it all online. Is, so was that pre pandemic or did that happen because of the pandemic? I don't know. I didn't even I didn't I didn't know about a lot of it until uh, I was sitting there watching the Braves game and some stupid. Commercial comes off like an app, like those, like I thought it was like Candy Crush or whatever. No, it's the damn lottery. Mm-hmm. And you're playing this game, playing that game, and play responsibly. And I'm like, what? So we get this straight. I can't bet on the outcome of the Braves game tonight legally in Georgia, but I can sign on to the lottery and play some bubble burst game for, for money. The state hates competition. Well, and that's what it is. I mean, they're not shy about it when these lawmakers, regardless of what gambling thing they're up there for, um, you know, they get up there and they say, we want a piece of the pie and we 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 need to. It's going untouched. It's going un under the radar and we're losing out on this money as if they have some sort of right to the money or entitlement to the money. Um, and then, of course, you have the usually their faith organizations and then mental health organizations and things like that, that come in and say, you have to set something up here to help with, you know, gambling addictions and mental health provisions and this, that, and the other. And we always have at least one bill filed that includes those provisions. But I didn't realize how under enacted that type of thing is like I thought that it was pretty prevalent because even here in Statesboro, like we just got liquor stores and the liquor store application has money that is allocated towards youth in um, empowerment and um, enhancement and all that nonsense that the government thinks it's capable of doing. But only six percent of the laws in since you know all this was overturned in 2018 and states started enacting legislation allowing sports betting. Only 6% of the bills include some sort of uh, funding for gambling addictions or treatment or whatever, which I don't necessarily think is legit, but I thought that these groups had way more sway in, in, in determining that outcome, and it turns out they don't. 
Well, there are ever going to be serious bills that may get fit in at the end. Uh, but 6%? Yeah, we already have real gambling problems in Georgia, and it's not the people who can afford it. Go into a off-brand gas uh, station. Gas station. Yeah, not not Parker's, not Quick Trip, not Racetrack. But you go into these places, and they're casinos. They're, they're paying out, quote-unquote, gift cards, which I don't know if that's true or not. I, I have heard reports that, you know, if you're there at the right time, they'll, they'll, pay, they'll pay out cash. But these people are, and, and obviously I'm going off of looks, but the, the person that pulls up in a, in a smoking 87 Ford pickup truck, and I mean smoking out of the tailpipe, gets out and it's a noon on a work day and looks unemployed as can go sit and feed, feed dollar bills into a machine that when you, when you go to a Vegas casino, those machines, those slots are, I mean, I don't say it's government, is regulated by the Gaming Commission, and they have to pay out a certain amount of time. And the idea in Vegas or Biloxi or Atlantic City or Blackhawk, Colorado, or, uh, you know, a dozen other places around the country is to have you lose slowly. It's not to just take your money. But, the, but these machines can be as tight or as loose as you want to set them. They're computers. There's nothing random in a computer. So it, the computer knows exactly how often it's going to pay out. So when you go into these 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 gas stations and and these people with gambling addictions go into these gas stations, they're you know you're always set up to lose when you gamble, but they're really set up for failure. They are, and, but I mean it's still a choice. Oh, absolutely. It's a choice. I, it absolutely is a choice. I just, I, I, I fail to see how not having, and look, your, your average, the, that type of person is not getting into sports betting. They may go to a racetrack, something like mm. that, you know, which we don't have in Georgia. And I'm not even, I don't, for animal cruelty reasons, I, I don't want uh, dog tracks or uh, horse, horse racing and stuff like that because those lower end uh, tracks are very cruel to, to the animals. Which again, it's not a government issue. It's just I wouldn't support them. Uh, but th- th- this is not this is not a government problem. This those people aren't the ones that are that are betting on games. The people that are betting on games are are usually my age or a little older. Uh, they're they're betting. Most of them are betting within, within their means because with a bookie you have to. I mean, you get you know you get frozen out pretty pretty quickly. Uh, and, and online, you can't borrow money. You, you you put your money in online, and you you make your bets and and, and all that stuff. And I'm not a, I'm not a big sports bet person. I I do play fantasy football for money, but and and I and I and I've, I've played poker in underground clubs and, and that that were illegal until they started getting robbed many years ago. But that this is this is yes, it's time it's time to deregulate i think is wh- wh- where you're going with it is deregulate it and let let people who are who want to go online and and uh and place bets on games go do it well and it go, it goes back to the whole thing about rules for thee and and not for me and everything and it's so infuriating because you know the the state loves to talk about how we can't make victims out of people in so many ways where there actually isn't a victim and the state claims to be the victim in every criminal case um you know they'll talk about a victim but it's never victim versus whomever it's the state versus whomever but the state has zero issues instituting something like this where they will say that it creates victims and whether or not you believe um gambling is a choice or that you know you're 
preying on the poor. However, I mean, it doesn't matter. The state will concede that there are negative impacts of it and still want to institute it and be a, a party to it that receives a tangible, lucrative, multi-billion dollar reward for being a part of it. They have no problem doing that. And if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about government, then you're listening to the wrong show. Yeah, just wait till the lottery figures out how to do sports betting. And then you'll never see it legal. It'll only be through the lottery. So only if time. Cobb County's plan to let some non-officers carry guns in schools in the wake of Uvalde tragedy, but not the teachers. Yeah, this happened Thursday night at the school board meeting. They voted four to two, um, and it was very contentious. It was a packed boardroom. Angry parents don't want non-peace certified people. Uh, they were yelling, delay the vote, shame. Um they were wearing they were wearing t-shirts holding signs it was very 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 contentious um you know Cobb is one of the biggest school districts i guess it's the second biggest um school district in the state they have 114 schools and they have 67 school resource officers so obviously they're not everywhere and um when i think about that it's crazy to me because i think about schools down here that have one resource officer for the entire district. And um, it's hard to fathom 67 officers, but the whole premise of doing this, which the school superintendent said was, um, you know, if we had enough money to hire an officer for every district or every school, we would, we don't have that money and we don't have the people who want to do the job, um, especially when, you know, they can work other places and, make more money and I mean, law enforcement in general is having a hard time recruiting. So yeah, the superintendent, Chris Ragsdale said, even if you gave him a, a open checkbook, he couldn't fill the positions. Right. Um, nobody, nobody wants to be a cop. And, and I wonder why the policy that they're going to institute is that the people who will, you know, be allowed to carry these guns will, be certified or not certified, but trained in the almost the same manner that a school resource officer would. Um, and that there would be a psychological evaluation, which is going to rule out a lot of people, which I'm not saying it shouldn't, but there's going to be people who would be qualified, but are like, screw you. I'm not getting a psychological evaluation to work security at a school. Um, and then of course, you know, they could hire someone and then that person could say, well, I refuse to carry a gun. And then the school district has to say, OK, because they cannot be penalized for refusing to carry a gun. So it's a very interesting situation. Um, of course, all that's because of the law that we passed, what, four years ago, five years ago? I don't remember. Um, saying that employees and teachers could carry if the school district authorized them to. Cobb says no teachers, we will hire some other people and authorize them to. And then if they want to, they can. And if they, I I don't really understand that part. Like you can't penalize someone for refusing to carry a gun, but the whole point is to have people who will carry a gun because the school doesn't have enough people who carry a gun, no teachers hiring someone new, but you don't know if this person will, and you can't penalize them if they won't. Oh man. I, uh, the, this is what happens when, when people who 
have best intentions write legislation without being clear. the The idea was you can't penalize a teacher, right? Or or other for if you have an existing teacher and say, "Hey, we want you, we want you to carry a gun," and you say, "No, they they can't penalize that teacher in any way." It was and I guarantee you that was that was something that was pushed in by the the teachers unions. And, and look, I agree with that. If you're an existing teacher, if you're you know, teaching, you know, lit or something like that. And you're, and you're not a gun person. It's like, no, I'm not carrying a gun. But let me tell you something. Every ROTC instructor should be, should be fully capable of going through the training and, and put, and put a firearm. And, and look, these firearms have to be concealed or locked in a safe. It's not like it's going to sit in the desk next, next to the apple. It's, you know, it's, it's not that a kindergartner can go over and, and grab, you know, Mrs. Krabappel's, uh, 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 pistol. It's 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 going to be on the person or locked in a safe. And, you know, I, I pick out ROTC instructors because all these guys are typically retired military. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, presumably already have a working knowledge of firearms. And with with a train up, if they if they volunteer, why? Why? How many football coaches do you know that not only would beat the snot out of somebody, but are kind of the guys that you would you would want to to have a, to have a gun under their under their shirt. So, Alicia Thomas Searcy, who is the Democratic nominee for state school superintendent, she went to the meeting. I don't know where she lives, but she was at the meeting because obviously this was contentious. And she spoke during the public comment section of the meeting, and she said, "Quote." As a parent, the last thing I want to think about is more guns at my daughter's school or any other type school. I certainly agree that there's a need for more caring adults in our school, but not ones who carry guns and aren't police officers. So the the mother who carries a gun everywhere else she goes and is caring and isn't a police officer is there's no there's no need for her in school. That's interesting. That's a really interesting position to take. I have to disarm. I did, went to a uh, to a play, a school play uh, Saturday. I mean, it was a school camp for my for my nephew. And like, is this out of school? And I was like, yeah. Like, damn it, have have to take the pistol off and uh, and and all that stuff because because I because I carry every day everywhere legal. But but yeah, they have to disarm before going to school. Now now it, it would take one person with a firearm because none of us are armed. So I. I the the argument for and against uh, uh, trained individuals with firearms is is stupid. They're trained. They're going to be trained. You cannot get everybody post certified. You can't. You can't do it. You, you're not. We we we. It's just not going to happen. And I didn't know that Cobb County was less than fifty percent with resource officers. Because even at a hundred percent, you're not a hundred percent. Because you have people with time off. You have. Uh, you have sick days. You have every every uh, every other problem that you have with with employee staffing. That that resource officer is not necessarily going to be there five days a week. So you'd uh, like to have ten percent over the the minimum number of schools, so that if you have an officer who is out on COVID time, you could take somebody and move them over to that school. You know, out out of the pool uh, uh, or additional road deputies that are trained as as SROs, and uh, that you can you can. Uh, you can put into place and and fill their fill their spot for them. But anyway, we're running long. Jessica, your closing thought. Uh, it's kind of hard to squeeze in, but I will do what I can. So obviously, 
I'm sure that by now most people have heard about the um, story about a 10-year-old rape victim who had to cross state lines from Indiana to or Ohio to Indiana um, to get an abortion because she was raped and the the, the law would not allow it. And, and, you know, there's been all this blowback um, about like Jim Jordan and other elected officials saying if that story is true, if it's true, this, if it's true, it's terrible. But, you know, and it's one of those stories where obviously um, and it, it has come out in the past couple days, you know, since it was initially broken, it has come out that. Um, there's been like DNA testing done on whatever the f- happened at the clinic and they're doing testing and that they they're waiting to confirm that, you know, whoever she accused or said did this to her um, that they match and all this. But um, a 10 year old like it's the it's the wrong hill to die on. I, I don't really care what your position is on abortion a 10 year old whether they were raped or whether there was some um messed up twisted consensual thing that they want to allege or however no matter what the facts and circumstances are we're talking about a 10 year old child and um the indiana attorney general is talking about criminal prosecution for the doctor and looking at inter or has issued subpoenas and all kinds of things about going after the doctor who performed the abortion. And I just, I don't know why, like, I don't think this is the type of story. I don't care who you are, what you believe, what your values are. It's not the kind of story that you're going to win any hearts and minds. You're not, you can't undo it. Um, and so even if you think it's a political slam dunk, I'm, here to tell you it's not like a child victim like this is not and it's also not that someone who's of an age who could go and make this decision without parents like her parents did what they thought was best for their child and the the attorney general has no idea what that is what what is best for that child number one health the health the child she's 10 she's correct she's 10 uh, it, it carrying it carrying a, a, a child to to term may kill her. She's ten. Uh, I would guess that the time lapsed because one, the, uh, a lot of times the victims, especially uh, especially molestation victims, don't pop right up and go running 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 for help because because they're scared. Uh, two, the the thought would never occur to anybody uh, that a ten year old would get pregnant. No, and. You know, there's people in um, Ohio who have said, well, we don't we we don't we allow an exception for endangerment of the mother. Well, I'm sure that in a crisis, a mother of a 10 year old isn't quite thinking like, let me go look up the laws. They just I mean, they just they just made decisions were made and they were medical decisions. And well, and, and an adult, an adult rape victim knows to go immediately, you know, go get the morning after pill, the plan B. Go get RU486, whatever they're, whatever they're calling mm-hmm. that now. Uh, there's, there's, you're talking about a 10-year-old who was raped and molested and raped. And it's, 
yeah, uh, yeah, we can't can't rehash can't hash the entire story, but no, yeah, but this, on the this heels, is, you're, you're right. This is not this is not the hill to die on. No, on the heels of questioning whether it actually happened, which I understand in this day and age, it you have to you have to wonder because I mean. We all hear things. I always, but it, sometimes you don't say those things out loud. You don't get on Twitter and say if this happened or question something that is so egregious. You might just want to wait a little, and then if you find out, like it, it did come out that you know we have evidence that at least at least that a ten year old was in fact pregnant, and it, yes, this act did occur. Um, she had to get pregnant somehow. <laughs> Her name's not Mary. I mean, I I don't know. I just it. I don't understand it. I I just Republicans yeah, are going to lose it eight days out of the week. You cannot you you you're feeding the hyperbole that's been coming out of the left since the the ruling on RV Wade. And you're making people hate you for just being terrible humans because. But, yeah, but you but you're you're feeding. The hyperbole. Everything we said, no, no, this is what this is not going to apply to rape victims. This is not going to apply to a little girl that's raped. This is not going to apply to incest. And then first thing you do is get on the news and apply it to rape and possible incest. Of a child. So everything that the that the left has been screaming is going to happen. You're wrapping up into one little case. Perfect. Brilliant. Thanks. Because that's not that's not helping the, the pro-life side at all. So anyway, my closing thoughts a little, a little, a little uh, nicer and a little scarier. New Jersey man finds $2,000 in 1934 dated cash under his porch doing, doing renovation. He found a box, thought it was trash, about to throw it out, and it was bundles of 10s and 20s all from, from uh, the early 30s. Uh, he said it's either a bank robber or somebody who didn't trust banks. Well, in 1934, why would you? I can understand. Uh, my great aunt used to used to keep money everywhere in her house. Uh, like she would pull the the switch plates off the walls on on the light switches and mm-hmm. put money behind those and, and put it up because she lived through the, the through the depression. She saw people lose everything in their banks. Yeah. So if you can think of 1934, rural New Jersey. And you, you saw a bank go under. Yeah, you bury it, you bury it under the porch. So this is probably somebody's life savings uh, adjusted for inflation. It is something like forty seven thousand dollars worth of today's money. Well, and just to end the show on a high note, the nice thing is now, you know, thanks to the Federal Reserve, you don't even have to have the money. It doesn't matter if you have the money in your hands. They can just say it's not worth anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Poof, it's gone. Thanks, Jessica. Happy so Monday. on that cheery, <laughs> on that cheery note, <laughs> big thanks to my partner, this endeavor, Jessica Salagi, to Eric Cumbie, our editor that takes the absolute awful audio I send him and turns it into something that's possible to listen to. I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. Catch me howling at the moon